Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Hello, 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 everyone. This is Phoenix, the college success professor, and I have a new guest starting off this month with my new series on helping students to get ready for the fall semester, or if you're in school for the summer, how to get ready for the summer semester and the new era that we are living in as students, as people, as human beings. So I have a whole series of people who I will be interviewing to help you as students to prepare for the fall semester, to help you to get ready for the fall semester. And we're going to kick it off with Dr. Stephen Green, who is the acclaimed success doctor, and I am the college success professor. So we have a lot of success happening here today. There's a huge um, amount of success here. <laughs> there's a huge amount of success today. His specialty is focusing on students' academic success. Um, so I'm going to be talking to him about his book, his work, and some tools and resources that he has to offer for you. Um, I have a whole series of questions that I'm going to be asking him. And if you have any questions, definitely feel free to put it in the chat. But let me form introduce my guest. I'm going to read a brief bio um, from him. So Dr. Green founded Make the Grade, an academic services company based in Philadelphia with a simple mission to provide students and families with actions to maximize their education. In 2015, Dr. Green published Maximum Education, which I'm sure he'll show you a quick preview of during the course of the interview. There it is. Um, and it became the number one bestseller on Amazon in the education area. It's available now, so definitely check it out after the broadcast. The book provides actions for student time management, information management, and creating a daily success action plan. And the book was expanded into a series of workshops. So if you want to work with Dr. Green, you can do so. Video courses and one-on-one -on -one coaching for thousands of students. His mission has expanded to make make the grade podcast as well as make the great success community. So there's a lot of offerings that he has for you all. If you would like to work with him, if you would like to learn from him, if you would like to be mentored by him, I'm sure he will tell you all about that through the broadcast. <laughs> so welcome Dr. Green. Thank you, Phoenix. And uh, thank you uh, everybody out there. Yeah. It's great to be here. Yes. Uh, this is um, my first time using StreamYard. So um, yeah. Dr. Green is mentoring me in that regard because he's a um, he's an old school podcast pioneer. Um, so we're in, we actually met in the same podcasting um, masterclass. So he's he's been giving me some tips to like set up. So we're a little bit late, but that's because I, this is new to me. Um, but Dr. Green, did you want to say anything before we get started with my questions? Well, I'll I'll just sort of state the obvious, which is that the last three months have been pretty wacky, right? Uh, I mean, in school, out of school, I mean, the last couple of weeks have been crazy. You know, you don't know what's up or down anymore. But uh, when it comes to school, and, and I'll probably use this word many times in the next half hour or however long we're going to talk, the one word it always comes back to, two words are consistency and structure. So, you know, for your guests and for the listeners, um, you know, if it, if you actually just sum it up, I could probably just not talk anymore. <laughs> you need to get a really good, consistent structure. That's the easiest way to ensure any sort of academic success in a prolonged 
amount of time. So, you know, we got to deal with whatever else is going on around us, how the, uh, education is being delivered, control what you can control. But in the end, that, that's a, a big foundational piece of what I try to show people and, and teach people. So that's really where it all sort of began. Fantastic. So one of the first um, questions that I asked my guest is the process that they or the story of how they transitioned from high school to college. Um, excuse me. No, that's for students. The, um, the, the process of how they transition, the process of how they transition from college to their career. Um, so I do have your bio. I know that you've been in education for pretty much your whole career, but could you tell the story of how that, how you came to know that the education was your path in life and, um, you know, your journey to being an entrepreneur? I, was raised in a house uh, where both my parents were in education. Mother was a first grade teacher. My father was a college professor. And it just seemed like that's what everybody did. You know, both your parents are basically in the same field. I just assumed everybody's parents were teachers. <laughs> uh, they aren't, but, uh, and we used to, you know, eat dinner and then my mom would grade papers and my father would do stuff. And it's just, it just sort of the culture I had growing up. And I, I think, Coupling that with just, I just, this, this born desire to work with people. I just, I always enjoy working with people, coaching, and it's not just academics. I coached all my kids' soccer teams and basketball and baseball. And I just like working with people. Um, so I went to college to get a degree in education, and I, I double majored education in math. I was going to go teach right away, and I got an opportunity through my advisor in college to, he had just gotten an appointment at Rutgers in graduate school. He had the ability to bring some assistance with him, some graduate assistance. So I, I walked away from a potential teaching job and went to graduate school instead. And I figured that'd be a couple of years. I'll get a master's, be a nice jump on my career. Turned into about six years, ended up with a doctor, which I don't regret any of this. Um, got a lot more different experience. I ended up getting a lot more into curriculum development and um, sort of the philosophy of education than probably your average teacher might have. And my last position at Rutgers was working in a program where we identified high school age students who had some, they, they were going to graduate from high school, but they had something that really wasn't going to make them completely ready for college. Academically, socially, it, it went across the board. So we created a program. Uh, to transition those students, which I oversaw with another person. And that's really what ultimately got me into tutoring. And when that program got lifted, uh, thank you, governor of Jersey at the time, uh, then I said, you know what, I'm just going to do this on my own. That was 24, almost 25 years ago, which is kind of incredible. Uh, but that's really how it happened. So I went from sort of wanting to be a teacher to kind of wanting to be a college professor to wanting to be kind of a mentor. I did teach for 12 years, uh, and in public, too, in a really nice private school. Um, and that's really how it happened. I think the bottom line is that the reason anybody goes into teaching because you want to help. Mm -hmm. You know this, Phoenix. It, it, yep. To see somebody who has any sort of struggle, and then weeks later, months later, they're, they're almost like a different person. You know? and that, I've been doing this so long, but I've never lost uh, the excitement I get from seeing that kind of development in a person, in a student. It doesn't matter what age they are, 
but that that's the long version of the story but i wouldn't i wouldn't change it i didn't plan it this way right i'm glad it happened this way so yeah and and in working and advising things uh never go and working with many students over the years i'm sure you know too Things rarely go according to plan. Um, yeah. I think the fact that you were in <laughs> education is good because, um, you know, you start off, many students start off with one major or one idea of what they want to do after they graduate. And when they are our age, um, they, they're, the, the path is so far uh, different than, you know, where they thought they would be. Um, but we're still in education. Um, when I started, I wasn't quite sure I was undecided um, when I started college. Um, and I don't know if I knew at that point that I would be in education and where I am now. So I, w- I was mm. completely, you know, directionless. So at least you had, you know, <laughs> a path and you're still along uh, that same path. Well, I, I'll, I'll say this. Here's, here's sort of a different perspective. And I probably isn't really what you want to talk about for a length today. But I kind of stayed sort of the same. Right. Everything changed around me. Right. A lot more. I mean, what they, the curriculum levels. I mean, it, anybody remember cooperative learning? Probably not because it was a fad for six years and then it went away and you know itep all these things that kind of come in and out of education stay around long enough it all cycles back eventually um but yeah look it 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 is you don't have to know exactly where you're going to end up when you start you just have to keep going and you got to stay committed to your goal that's excellent really nothing to do with education it's do with everything Mm -hmm. you know for an 18 year old going into college 20 year old that's the key. You're going to get your setbacks. Everybody does. You've got to focus on the prize at the end. Couldn't have said it better. And that is definitely related to what we are talking about. Oh, yeah. Guidance and advice and our years and years of experience and knowledge um, from working with students and being, you know, human beings, you know, what you learn, what you I think your point was that everything around you changed, but the that's going to happen no matter where you are. So learning to adapt, you starting your own business and trans- transitioning to be an entrepreneur is a good example of adapting to, you know, the world changing. And if nothing else, the world is definitely changing as we speak. So having that ability to adapt and grow and, you know, adapt to those changes and move along the path is important. So let me get into my first question, which is, um, you know, your specialty um, with regard to academic um, academics and time management and organization with regard to being a student, Um, because, you know, we're going through um, these transitions here, um, both in the, you know, the real world and also in the college world, you know, we had to do a lot of transitioning last semester um, from face-to-face learning for the most part to online learning. So um, many schools and many schools are deciding, many schools have decided some are going to be online, some are going to be face-to-face or so they hope. Um, Mm -hmm. So do you have any advice or information on any of your areas of specialty to help what students can do now to start preparing for that transition to their careers in college or their academic lives in college? Of course, <laughs> a lot of ideas. I, I would say, with the way I approach things, I compartmentalize them into, number one, how you manage your time. And sometimes that's an adventure for college kids because they typically have come from a greater structure in high school to more freedom in college, especially if they live on campus. So you got to know how to manage your time. You can't sleep till 2 o'clock or party all night, sleep till 2 o'clock, and then whatever. 
Um, number two is you have to manage the information. Depending on what course load you have, um, the complexity of your classes, so on and so on, you may have a lot of information that you have to manage. So, and then the third piece is you just got to get it done every single day. Do not want to go through college constantly behind. Unlike high school, where you t- have a quiz every week or tests every other week, college, I had a class in college, the entire grade was one final at the end. And what's common is, you know, maybe a midterm and a final or a paper and a final. So you end up having a much greater proportion of your assessment in a, in much less uh, number of things. So, uh, but anyway, manage your time, manage your information, have a daily success action plan. And these are all like, you know, I could drill down on all of these for a week, uh, but broad stroke, that's what somebody wants to look at. The other side of it is structure. And the way I teach it, I've identified five structures you got to worry about. There's a physical structure. You got to kind of know, you got to have a room to study in this quiet time structure. You got to know when to do it. There's an academic structure. There's an accountability structure. And then the last one is called, I call the support structure. Because everybody's going to need help at some point. Maybe small, maybe large. And you want to know where those support systems are before you need them. You don't want to be seeking out 11 o'clock at night, night before an exam, how can I get help with a sticker subject? So between the information, time management, and daily action, and all the structures, put them together, you got a really solid system. So could you say that again? I was taking notes, actually, oh, right. um, yeah, with the right. five structures. Good, that's good. Okay, so uh, the five structures. <laughs> so I might even put are, it in the chat. Good, yeah, write it down. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, physical. One, I have physical. physical mm-hmm. um, time, academic, accountability, and support. And I always do them in that, that order. Is... Don't ask me to do them in a different order. <laughs> <laughs> Should they be actually done in that order no, or just as long as they're all covered? Mean, but it kind of makes sense because, listen, you could have everything else in place, but if you don't have anywhere to study that's quiet and not conducive, you're not going to get anything done, right? You could have a great quiet room, yeah. but if you wait till three in the morning when you're exhausted, you could have both of them, but not know what to study. Or maybe you, maybe you went to, I don't know, whatever calculus class and you just didn't understand what they were talking about. That's the academic. Accountability is, is really a, a more of a nebulous one where who, who are you going to be holding yourself accountable to? Right? Your parents may not be there to push you. Your roommate isn't going to. So you, this is where you have to develop accountability to yourself. Right. You're paying to mm-hmm. go to college or somebody is. Right. Um, and then the support one is is more of a as needed. But yeah, these are uh, I've you know, I've talked about these things for years and I always think maybe there's a better system, a newer system, a more updated system. I've never found one. I just keep coming back to the same. Yeah. Things. And uh, if I think about impor- this. Yeah. Some are more important in individual cases than others. You know, sometimes the time is because look, a lot of kids go to college and have to have jobs. You know, or, or mm-hmm. they're on sports. You know, I, I've tutored, mentored a lot of kids who are on you know, college sports. That's a lot, big time commitment. Um, so, but it, but really, the message I'd like to convey is you got to know these things ahead of time. Try to establish the positive habits and patterns beforehand, like early. Like you don't want to wait till halfway through your junior year. Be good at this stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's easy I think to about... say, not necessarily easy to do. Right. 
if I think about the students who um, I had worked with this past spring semester, I think all of those areas were areas where they had either difficulty throughout the whole transition to online learning or at some point just being able to, for example, um, one of my students, you know, moving back home, um, she had all of her brothers and sisters were also at home. So there was no she had to figure out exactly where she was right. going to do her work. Well, that, so she bought like a portable. Right. Yeah, she had to bring like a portable desk. Um, where she kept everything and she would transport it from room to room because different people had to use the different mm. um, spaces in our house for different reasons. So definitely the structural piece was for sure. Well, I, um, I, I think the assumption is hopefully that the last two and a half months are the aberration, not the norm, right? But the principles didn't change. It's like I was saying, everything sure. changed around us, or me at least. Um, we're still learning the way people learn how we got to do it. That didn't change March 14th or, or at least in my case, when everything shut down here. Um, but the way we had to deal with it, right? So we had to create new structures we had to do new time management accountable in a different way. We had to get our academics. So everything, it makes sense when you think about it. Yeah, um, it does. How it all blends together. Uh, I, I think another piece, I, I, this really doesn't have to, education as much but there's a maturity element as well right you send somebody off to college you know, yeah they're going to exercise their there's nothing wrong with that college is a the place they're supposed to have fun as well but you always got to bear in mind that your job is your education right and um everything i try to teach everything i pontificate about is to help people to do that as easily and as successfully as possible. So, great. Right. the goal. And like I said, I, 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 I'm just so um, intrigued by your five steps. Um, <laughs> be, yeah, that's like, it's perfectly bro broken down. And that's probably because you have years of experience. I was experience. trying to find a, like a, I was trying, uh, maybe you can do this better to me. Or I'll make a contest. <laughs> Anybody out there listening, if you can find a way to get those letters. A mnemonic, a yeah. Word, like, like, I don't know, uh, whatever. Um, uh, I can't think of a word. Yeah, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Definitely, if you can oh, think of RG something. Biv, right? You know what RG yeah, yeah, is? Yeah. The colors yeah. of the rainbow, right? Mm -hmm. You get a word at A, whatever. There's two A's. There's an S. There's a C. It just doesn't make a good word. But yeah, yeah. I will, I will give an autographed copy of my book. <laughs> if I can come up with a good mnemonic device to get those five things. I've yeah, tried. So I can't. Yeah, if you come up with the replay, if you check us on the replay, yeah, definitely we'll still, yeah. that, that offer will stand. Offer offers on the table. I said yeah. it publicly. <laughs> for sure. And especially for students who are, um, it's their first year in college. Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, transitioning from the high school to the college experience where there's often one of the big factors, which you mentioned, is that there is a lack or a lesser amount of assessments that they're going, they're, they're yeah. going to be graded and, and on. They, don't, know, they so, don't usually tell you that. You know, that's not mm -hmm. like in the manual, so to speak. Well, they do tell you. It's just that students don't know to oh, read yeah. the syllabus. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was going to say, it's, right, right. Yeah, so for that's tip, tip. Number three, if we're on the, on the tips today, one of the things that students need to do, new students who are going to college, is to read the syllabus for your class. Each of your classes, your instructor what? usually has a guide for how you're going to be graded, when I, when what I was each week is going to look like. When I was teaching in college, I, I had the students sign paper that vouched that they had read and understood the syllabus. 
And most of them just signed it. Didn't yeah. maybe didn't even read the paper. Yeah. <laughs> saying yeah. what they were signing. Um, but that way, like later on, oh, I didn't know the midterm was forty five percent of the grade. I'm like, it's right here. You signed yep. it. You said you understood yep. it. And it wasn't a yeah. legal thing. It was like I was getting sued or anything dumb like that. It was just <laughs> it was accountability, right? I just I wanted them to understand this is you know, this is your stuff. You, know, you gotta take responsibility. Yep. And the faculty over the years, one of the things that they are slightly irked or even very irked about is that if you ask a question of them that is clearly, you know, delineated in the syllabus. Yeah. If it's clearly written in the syllabus, they're going to know that you didn't read the syllabus. So first thing, first week of class, or even usually before classes begin at some institutions, especially if you're online, the syllabus for the course is posted in um, whatever learning management system that your school is using. So even over the summer, for those of you who have already registered for your fall semester, check out the syllabus for the class. It not only is important so you have an idea of what's going to happen in the class, um, it's an idea of, you know, if this is something you want to take during this first semester, because usually most schools have an ad drop period. So if you check out the syllabus and you, you know, it scares you or it, it's a lot of work and you, you think it's going to be overwhelming, then maybe you might want to, you know, see if there's another class that you um, could take, especially during that first semester. Um, what are your thoughts about the, the types of classes that students should take during their first semester in college? Well, I, I given the, the statistic that I think it's like 60, two thirds roughly of students who go to college change their major at least once. I, I, there may mm -hmm. be an updated stat on that. That's the one that always gets thrown out. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm not really in the college counseling business in that sense, but I would say don't pigeonhole yourself. Like, like, cause what ha college get expensive. Let's just talk economics for a second. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's say you do a year in a major and then you decide to change majors, which is fine. It's your life. Well, maybe now you got to go to college for five years instead of four, or four and a half instead of four. It might be a twenty thousand dollar difference in cost. Maybe less, maybe more, but it it could be significant. So normally, my stock advice is use your freshman year and, and take classes that you feel you're going to be able to handle. Maybe even take classes that are almost the same as high school. Like if you've had an advanced like calculus in high school, maybe take calculus in college. Um, it'll pad your GPA a little bit, but more importantly, it'll give you a chance without nearly the same amount of stress to get comfortable with the, the normal uh, of the college lifestyle. I mean, you probably got to take at least one or two classes in some major, uh, and then the rest is usually gen ed or general, mm -hmm. whatever, general studies, whatever they call it in that particular university. But um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, make your life easier your first semester, maybe even your whole first year. Spread it out. Um, give yourself time to establish good habits and, and try some things, you know, uh, maybe there's a major you never even thought about, but don't do a major cause it mm -hmm. sounds good. I mean, that's mm -hmm. probably not, I mean, that's not the reason to do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Your point is actually true. Um, a lot of the reasons that students and your statistics are also true that students who um, have difficulty figuring out what their major is or change majors often are often spending that extra money because they haven't, you know, secured all the credits that they need for whatever major they fi finally decide on. So changing your major can be definitely costly. So if you're going into school like I did um, and you're not really sure what you want to major in, you might want to start using 
the time this summer to start exploring exactly maybe take a class this summer um summer two is still an option for students take some classes and don't just be willy-nilly about oh i'll just figure it out while i'm in school because that's going to cost you some extra money classes or even volunteer you know if you think you like animals i don't know volunteer at the zoo if you think you like accounting maybe try to get an internship in a you know bookkeeping office or an accounting office because the real life in a job not the same as it sounds in some fairy tale ish, you know, just thinking about it kind of thing. Same with teaching, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, the theory and the practice. Everybody loves me. <laughs> Students are all listening, you know, like, not how it is. <laughs> not where I taught, anyway. Um, yeah, but th that's the summer's a great time to try that. You know, volunteer, get a job, you know, if you can in, in the field. Plus, it's a good resume builder, right? You know, yeah. it was good to have experience. No excuse for that or no substitute that. Right, for sure. Um, so I'm going to um, get back to my list of questions because I did veer off. I told you, I warned you I might do that. It's okay. <laughs> this, is a, this is about spontaneity. Yeah. So um, with from working with the students that you work um, with who are in college or about to go college, what's the most common misperception or misunderstanding that students have regarding, you know, one of your um, initial pillars, time management? Well, I, I think they grossly underestimate how much time they've got to put. Could I, you I, say that one more time, how much time they have? I think they underestimate, and in some cases grossly underestimate, how much time slash work they're going to have to do at the next level. Um. You know, especially when you get kind of a higher end, you know, a kid who gets like a 3.9 in high school and doesn't really work very hard for it. There's always people like that. And then they figure out, I'll go to college, it'll be the same. And then they, they just they just don't. It, it's, it's just not lined up. Um, I think the other side of it is not planning ahead long term. Because if we go back to the idea that you start college, you got a midterm six weeks later. It's right on the syllabus. Midterm, I don't know, what, October 23rd. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's easy. I don't have anything to do for September now. I can party the whole month of September, right? <laughs> yeah, I, what's the difference? One more day. I'll do it tomorrow. Well, all of a sudden now it's October 11th, and now you've got to learn four weeks worth of stuff, potentially, that you just kind of let slide, right? So I, and this goes back to kind of the self-discipline and the self-accountability. That's that other A that I can't figure out how to put into a word. <laughs> um. But that's the biggest thing I see. So when you are working with students, um, if they are about, if you know they ha they've had that issue possibly in high school um, and you're worried about them or their parents are worried about them being able to transition to um, college where it's not as much oversight or guidance or support, what are some strategies or tips that you have them do like you know, like you said, you don't want to get way into the semester and you're behind. Like, what are some uh, things that I, they do at the beginning the of the semester? Simp the simplest and easiest thing is always the basic thing that everybody knows but just doesn't do, which is just get a calendar, get a book, write stuff you have to do down, and then schedule it out. I, I, I mean, th that is not rocket science. That is not some incredible epiphany that I woke up one day and said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, it's, it's all about planning. It's all about planning ahead and foreseeing what you're going to have to do. And the way I break it down in my book is I break it into two categories, short-term and long-term. So in my world, 
Short term is something that's due tomorrow. In mm-hmm. high school, this is more relevant because you've got class every single day generally, right? But <clears throat> so to me, short term would be, okay, it's Monday. I just had class. I got class on Wednesday or whatever. Short term would be what you have to do in between class one and class two. Mm-hmm. Long term is anything extends beyond that. So maybe there's a project or a test or a paper, or I don't know, whatever. Um, that's a week out, two weeks out, three weeks out. So that's how you want to categorize it. And then the way you approach it is by just planning. So the shorter term stuff has to be a higher priority. It just makes sense, right? It's right. due sooner. But you always want to chunk out the other stuff. Right? In education, we talk about chunking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, which is basically, uh, I'm sure you know, but taking a big job and turning it into small tasks. So you take something right. that might take six hours and you turn it into, you know, whatever, uh, 24, 15-minute blocks. And you do a couple of them every day. So the people, I'll, I'll almost say this in the anti-negative. The people who don't get themselves in trouble are the ones who don't put things off to the last minute. And the only way you're not going to put stuff off to the last minute is by planning ahead, and you can only plan ahead if you know what's coming. And this is exactly. where that information management, time management, all the things I just say gazillion times over and over uh, come in. But to answer your question, where do people get in trouble is when they don't anticipate or they underestimate the amount of work they have to do, the amount of time it's going to take them to do it. I'm going to ask I you. I see that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask you a personal uh, piece of advice. Because I know all this and I have an 11 year old um, in sixth grade um, who I've been homeschooling. Pray for me. Um, He I don't know why he is just so they have they gave them planners at the school. The the nine year old, he'll do it. He'll write everything that he has to do down in a planner. The 11 year old is just so that's just the first that's the first step that starts off everything you just explained. I don't know why he is so adverse to writing down what he is supposed to do. Any guidance, any tips, any advice for me to help me? <laughs> uh, well, let me, the caveat here is I am not going to tell anybody how to parent. Uh, so I'm his children. homeschool teacher. Okay, there you go. So, but speaking homeschool teacher to homeschool teacher, um, listen, there's a lot of ways to accomplish this. Some kids can get away with it without writing it down. I mean, let, you know, let, let's be fair, right? You don't, it, it's not like if you don't write your work down, you'll never get it done. So the negotiation I would have is say, listen, okay, you don't want to write it down. What is your system? You tell me what your system is because you have to have a system. Okay. Well, it's I'll up try to that. You, mom. They're probably going to say, well, I know what it is. <laughs> um, but, but that's, I would, I'm, all, I'm a lot, I didn't talk about it yet today and we may not get into it, but I am very big on, uh, a student taking ownership or responsibility or self-accountability because we're, we're really college is going to train you to do whatever you're going to do. Right. But really it's, it's a, it's a proving ground for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Theoretically you're out of college so 22, 23 at the latest, you have 30, 40 years, maybe more, you're going to be running a business or in the workforce or professional, whatever you're going to end up doing. Um, and, and it's even more important there. You know, you want to get fired from a job because you didn't do something your boss asked you to do or your supervisor or, you know, if you're a, you know, a doctor and you forget to, you know, I don't know, do something and you get. So there's reper- the repercussions are different. But my advice to you would be, put it in his court. All right. Listen, I will. I, will I know take it. Listen, a really famous <laughs> author told me 
This is a good way to do it. But I get it. You don't want to do it that way. That's okay. You know, you're your own person. But what I'll is play your this system? recording. Right, right. You can just play this for him. But what is your system? You got a better idea? Let's hear it. All right. I'll try and it. Whatever it is, you got to do it every day because it's still about consistency. Right. And a system, but, having a system. Right. But, but I think common sense will tell you. I don't care if you're 11 or 9 or 100. If you don't know what you have to do, you're not going to get it done. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Let me know how that works out. Yeah, I will. Um, so that brings me to my next question, um, because I know you do also work with parents um, in your work. So um, when you are working with parents um, of, you know, the college age students and perhaps the student didn't have a great semester or, um, you know, in a worst case, you know, they were on a scholarship and, you know, they got a, a bad GPA and the scholarship is in danger of being lost. Um, what advice or guidance do you give to parents in those situations? Well, A, it is what's going to, what's, what are you going to take to correct it, right? Um, you need to define how you're going to get back to what, you, what your desired state is. Uh, but I, 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 it's a tough one because there's many, many different ways people parent, right? You got like mm -hmm. kind of the strict taskmaster. Hey, you failed out, you know, I wasted my money. <laughs> you got sort of the coddling type, like it's okay, you know, we're you know, di discovering. Um, but I, I think the advice I'd give a parent is it, it comes back to this is where the responsibility and accountability comes in and the, and the support, right? What, what if we don't understand what caused it to get to that point, it's probably just going to happen again. Mm -hmm. It may have been laziness. It may have been partying too much. I mean, let's, let's be honest. That, that's, that happens. Right. Uh, it may just, maybe the classes were too difficult. Maybe, you know, they were doing something else. Maybe they were, you know, in a club and it just got away from them. Not always bad reason. Right. Sometimes they are. But I think the first thing I say to parents, is you need to understand why this happened. If your goal is to correct it, if your goal is to get, you know, little Phoenix back on track. Um, you need to understand why they got off track to begin with. And then we got to try to get corrective measures to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Or, or other side of it is more oversight, more accountability. Maybe the parents say, hey, look, first semester freshman year, get on your terms. You got a 1-8. You're going to lose your scholarship. Now we're doing it our way, and we want to check your work every night. Or, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, but I do walk that line because I think part of what every parent wants to see is a child develop independence while they're mm -hmm. at college. I think that's part of the reason to go. Yeah. It's hard to sit back and see a kid flounder and you'd certainly, no parent wants to see their child struggle. Um, so it's, you know, sometimes it's a tough love thing, you know, but, but again, that would be my counsel. You need to determine the cause. So we can benefit from happening again and fix it. For sure. Um, so I'm going to um, ask a question that I had um, a student, a group of students um, talk about when I was asking them about, you know, some of the difficulties they, they had when they transitioned from high school to college. And that is um, basically the format of. Um, so we talked about the fact that, you know, in college, you have less less assessments than you do in high school. 
Another thing that they told me that they struggled with was the format of the actual classes. So being expected to sit in a lecture, you know, sometimes if you have a class just one day a week, you have a three hour class and the professor is basically lecturing for the full, yeah, for the full three hours or two, two hours and 15 minutes. So being able to, you know, get the, you know, discipline to sit through and pay attention for that duration of time. Um, being able to, you know, take notes and do everything that you need to do in order to be successful in that type of environment. Because, you know, professors, they're experts in their field. They can go on and on about um, their discipline. Um, but how do you, as a student who may not be a interested or be as knowledgeable about what, you know, they're talking about, how do you get, be, how are you successful in a, that type of a class? Yeah, that's, first of all, let me say this. I'm not a fan of sitting through a class like that either. I don't, I don't, I have an okay attention span. I just, <laughs> I, there's only so much you can put into the bucket at a time, so to speak. Right. Um, I, I could go, I, I think, okay, let me answer it a couple different ways. Number one, if you know it's coming, you're going to just have to deal with it, right? If the first week of the class, the teacher just goes off and lectures for two and a half hours, it, it might just be a very long semester in that class. That is what it is. But that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that you have to deal with it. So there's an acceptance of just the reality. Um, I think what you also need to do is prepare, right? Um, one of the ways that you can maximize, or at least maximize the potential of succeeding in college or high school, really, is to be prepared coming into the class. So if the teacher says, okay, uh, next week we're going to talk about the archaeology of the Aztecs, read this chapter of the book and you don't read the chapter of the book, it, the, the lecture is a lot less meaningful, whether right. you find it interesting or not. So some of this is on the student. You got to take care of, you have to take care of. Um, I think just from a physical standpoint, you know, just sitting two and a half hours listening to somebody is, is not easy. Right. Uh, but, but I think the workaround is, is get a good way to take notes. Try to call what's important. And really, I think the best advice is what I just said a few minutes ago, which is come into class, prepare. Right. Um, I had a teacher like that too. In fact, <laughs> I won't mention the name of the professor. I had a professor in grad school and, er, and I got our uh, roster with the classes on it. I was out helping these recruits. And I showed it to one of my friends. He goes, Oh, you have Jones. It wasn't his name, but I'm like, yeah, whatever. He goes, oh, that guy's horrible. And you know how we know? Because he's the author of the book you use in the class. It's just a little bit of advice to college kids. Do not take a class where the textbook is written. The author of the textbook is your professor. Yeah. It's kind of cool like to write a college book. You know, I, I, I never did, but I, I, my book gets used a lot of places, but not in universities. But yeah, so I had this class, and the teacher, professor, had written the book. And all he really did was almost literally read out of the book excruciatingly boring. Um, I, I don't, I guess I learned something. I couldn't really tell you one thing I learned in that class now. It was, I mean, it was 30 something years ago, but yeah. So uh, it's just a little sidebar. Um, you may not know that coming in. But, um, I think the only other thing I would say is this. Um, you know, and I think my theme is consistent. Is it, Everything kind of links together somehow. You know, there's this sort of, chain of events right 
if you're in a certain major and you have to take a certain class, theoretically, it's either a building block class, intermediate class, or an advanced class. And if it's a building block class, there might be stuff in there you may not think is important right then, but it may be next year or your junior year or your mm-hmm. senior year when mm-hmm. a more advanced class is going to really drill down on it. Almost, not, not like a, you know, almost like a, you know, like a 400 level. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, school's got different coding systems yeah. anymore. But so something that might seem irrelevant or unnecessary or just is just not resonating with you at all. October, your freshman year, may become more important later on. I don't want to say will, right? Because I don't know, but it's just a l- little different perspective. For sure, great advice. Um, so, one follow-up question to that answer: um, yes. You mentioned being able to take good notes. Do you? Um, are you an advocate of various noting um, systems like the Cornell Notes, or do you have your own? Um, uh, Way I, that love, you tell I love students. the Cornell system. Um, how best if anybody doesn't know what that is, we can describe it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see some. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I teach in this book seven different ways to take notes, and one of them is Cornell. And for those of you who don't know, it sounds like you're Great. familiar with it. But Cornell would be the night before class, in some way, shape, or form, make an outline of what you expect to be in the class. Then the next day during the lecture, you would more supplement those notes. So you're not furiously writing. Um, as opposed to just pretty much transcribing almost what the professor or lecturer is saying. Um, it goes back to preparation, right? You know, it goes back to being prepared for what's going on. Um, I think, listen, I think it's hard just from a neurological standpoint to simultaneously listen and write because you're always it's, it's off right you're writing what you heard five ten seconds ago not that many people not everybody can write really, or at least not with legibly right. um so it's like you're listening now but you're writing what you heard three seconds ago you're trying to keep up and uh teacher so it, it's hard so anything you can do to shortcut it or um Lock it out. And that's, I'm trying to find one real fast in here. Uh, this is actually my work copy of the book. Uh, but, like, I'll give you an example. I can show you. Like, this is an outline. I don't know if this is going to work. But this is your basic outline, right? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of indented. I'm make- not coming across real well to the audience. Um, and then this is just a different model. Exact same information. But in sort of here's something similar what we call a, a spoken wheel uh, you can also do a concept map something like that these are all the exact same information as this just you know much more visual not here today to talk about what kind of learner you are visual kinesthetic auditory etc uh, but most people are visual learners, right? So if you if you can make your notes visual and pictures, diagrams, squares, arrows are much more visual than just prose text. Um, I do a workshop, I can plug it, where I actually teach people multiple ways to take notes live. What I do is I do like a pre-canned lecture, about uh, five minutes, 
and I do it online now, although it's a little harder to manage online, but, um, and then, okay, we're going to do this one old school. We're going to do this by indentation. Method. And we'll say, okay, I'm going to read you the exact same lecture, but now I want you to do it by concept. The third time we're going to do that one circle on the spoke. Um, and then I say, look, you don't know when you're going to use which. It's like a toolbox. Sometimes you've got to use the Phillips head screwdriver, sometimes the one. So the more techniques you have, the more tools you have, then when the time comes, pick the one that's the most advantageous. Uh, but, but always keep in mind, why, why does anybody take notes? What's the purpose of taking notes, right? It's a semi-rhetorical question. Because the, the answer, well, because that's what we had in class. The answer really is because you want to you want to think about what was important in the class. Think you need to know carrying forward, right? So to just rewrite everything a teacher says isn't necessarily the best strategy, and it's, and it's not the easiest strategy. It's all about kind of distilling it down to the essential. Basically, notes are just an outline that you have to do live. If you think about. It. Outline's the mm -hmm. same thing, except an outline, you know, the pressure of, um, you know, doing it in real time as someone's dictating it. So, you know, what a lot of people do now is they just record the class. Phone, and, you know, and then later you go and listen to it, but it just doubles your amount of time you got to deal with. But it's not a bad technique. For sure. Um, so I'm going to do two more questions. We have 10 minutes. I think that should, uh, we also have class later on this evening. So yes, we do. Yes, we have a class. So you never stop learning yes. people. Out yep. There. You never stop learning. Exactly. Exactly. Class tonight. Workshop, I think technically is what they call it, but still. Yes. You can yeah. Never, you never, you never. The last stop week, learning. the last week of class. Yeah, it is. We are graduating tonight. That is true. <laughs> Um, so my um, penultimate, my penultimate SAT, SAT word um, question is, um, what does, <laughs> what does self-motivation and self-discipline pay the work that you do with students? Talked about, um, um, you know, to yourself, but what does, you know, because you mentioned earlier habits. Sometimes I don't feel like a textbook. You just don't feel like going to class. But in what ways do you help students with those two self-discipline and self-motivation? Well, if you haven't picked it up already, I am really big on doing it because it's important to you. Right? I can coach anybody, but I'm not, the, I'm not living their life. Right? Um, I can try to motivate people. Ultimately, they have to decide that it's important enough to them. I see my role as I can give you a million tools. I can give you a million techniques. I can, I can coach you. I can look over your shoulder. But my, the way I try to motivate is, is by the end result. Let's look five years out. What do you, where do you want to be? You can't look a week ahead when you're in college. I mean, you need to in terms of the minutia of getting everything done. But it's like, okay, I want to be an engineer. Great. Awesome. What's it going to take? It's going to take four whatever years of work. We know that going in, right? You want to be a teacher. You got to go to college four years. You want to be a doctor. It's like 10. I don't know, whatever. You want to be a lawyer. So it, you have to understand that when you walk into college freshman year, you, you have a decently long road ahead of you, right? But, but why are you doing it? You're doing it because you have a giant goal. Um, that may change, 
and it may drift and morph and whatever. But that's really to me that like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is, is what's your end game. So when you get off course, what's going to bring you back, right? And everybody slips up. I'm not going to tell you I did perfectly in college myself, grad school, um, because people get distracted and some days you have different priorities. But I always had, and I honestly can say this, I always knew what my end game was. And I always knew a year where I wanted to be, two years, five years, in terms of why I was doing the academic pieces. So my, my little kind of like locker room Newt Rockley speech to these kids is, listen, you're heading off to college. But it's not where you're going to do your first day or your second day. It's where you're going to end up after your last day. And essentially, going to college is learning what you need to learn academically, learning skills, networking, meeting people, you know, getting connected. That's a piece of it, too, that we haven't not really where we are going, but it's part of it, right? And mm-hmm. when you come out being, being employable or being a professional, right? Because someday you're going to go to a job interview or you're going to start a business, you're going to try to get clients, and you, you got to present that you know what you're talking about. So if you want to be an engineer and you go to, I don't know, whatever, Phoenix's engineering firm and, you know, hey, Steve, tell us uh, what you learned in college. <laughs> You know, I mean, these are questions they may ask you, right? So it's all about the big goal. That's, that's you know, go, you know, one for the Gipper kind of speeches. You know, what's your big thing? Because if you get off course, that's okay. People do at some point. But how do you bring it back, right? How do you bring it back to where you want to end up? And I think that's really key. Um, day-to-day, it's about habits. It's about the structures about the time management week to week, month to month, semester to semester. It's about big picture. Okay. Sorry. I don't know if it went out. My internet said it's unstable. I don't know if they got oh, all that. Best but, speech I ever gave um, in my hopefully, life. hopefully they did. Yeah, I hope so. Too. No, that I, I, I it was, I it was, say that again. it was <laughs> big picture. It's all about hopefully it was, yeah, it was great. Goal. It was great. Yes. It sounded good on this end. Quick recap. Out there liked it, but yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so I do, um, no, before my internet completely goes out. Yeah, I know. Um, my last question is for you to, yeah, plug away. Plug away about all the products, uh, all the services, all the ways that people well, can first of all, work for you, with me, you. Which I, I, listen, I would enjoy any kind of feedback. Um, Makethegrade.net. net Right here. Everything I do is branded through makethegrade.net, except the name of the book. Because I didn't want to call the book grade because I wanted something a little more sort of powerful that way. Uh, my email is sgreen, S-G-R-E-N-E, at guess what? Makethegrade.net. I am for an old guy all over social media. I'm trying. Um, there you go. Thank you, Phoenix. I, um, I do a live stream a couple times a week uh, on educational topics and tips and things like that that typically goes out into my uh, social uh, I, I'll plug one thing, if you don't mind. And, and actually, I want to talk to you about this offline because I want to get you involved. In September, I'm going to do an, an online educational summit. And it's designed for two types of people. One is exactly trying to talk to you today. Students starting a school year as strongly as possible. I'm going to bring in a whole bunch of speakers on a whole bunch of topics that are going to help you to do that. And the second thing it's geared for is parents trying to support their students, their children, 
So I don't have a date for it yet. I'm playing around with late August, early September uh, time frame. It won't be much earlier. Uh, but, you know, more on that later. So I'll let you know because I want actually you to speak at it. But, uh, so, you know, we'll share it with your audience when the time comes. Sounds great. And yeah, if you great. want my book, you know, hey, look, they're, they're available. Never and don't forget it. the giveaway for whoever can figure That's out a right. mnemonic That's that goes right. with it. That's right. The with the five... Structures. With the five structures. It actually has its own website, which is maximeducation.net, but you can also get uh, The only other thing I would plug, if somebody wants support, ongoing support, I have an online community. You can get to it on the website. It's a 24-7 support. Um, it is there to help students and help parents. I got a lot of college kids in it. Sometimes they'll just join for four or five months while they have class. That's fine. It's month to month. So check that out. That was the last well, question. Thank, yep, that was the last oh, question, and well, we ha we have four question. minutes. That to was like a whatever a statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to make sure we got it in within the hour. That's um, right. And That's I, yeah, and I um, also wanted to do my my little plug too. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure that is way too long, but um, <laughs> I um, this like I said earlier when I kicked off. Um, that this is the, you are the first in um, a host of people that I'm going to have on this month, um, specialist experts, um, students, faculty, speaking on topics of how students can prepare for the fall semester because we don't know what's gonna happen. Um, like we, you didn't expect that, you know, you were gonna transition from face-to-face -face classes to in-person classes, um, excuse me, from in-person classes to online classes um, in the spring semester. So we don't know what's going to happen um, for as many students. You know, you don't know even what the fall semester is going to look like. Colleges are still deciding whether they're going to be face-to-face -face or online. So I'm having a webinar um, on Thursday, June 18th at 6 o'clock. Um, it's called Countdown to College, the COVID-Ready Edition. Um, I will put actually that link in the chat in some way. Like I said, this is um, all new to me, the StreamYard the StreamYard, the StreamYard wonderfulness. Um, so I will put that in the chat um, and I'll be promoting it all month. Next week, we have two students um, from various universities, local and not local. And we also have um, an expert talking about how to fully fund your education. Um, if you are still in high school and looking to apply for the, for the um, next school year with all the changes with the SAT and the ACT, um, She'll be talking about that and she'll be talking about college admission in general. So definitely stay tuned next week. I'd like to thank Dr. Green again for um, being with me for this hour. I learned a lot. I took notes. Like I said, I was taking notes. Um, I'm going to have to get the book thank too. You. Yeah, I'm going to have to get the book too. Um, like I, um, for those of you who know me, I am, um, I work in the academic support services office at LaSalle University. And I think that is something, one of the resources that we need in our, our toolbox, as you should mentioned. Be given to every uh, freshman. There. Yeah, it's a definitely a good Not resource they for don't have student good staff. Skills, but I really honestly feel it's a functional book. It's all about yeah. using it, plugging in with it. Uh, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Dr. Green. Um, I will see you at eight o'clock when right. class starts tonight. Um, and we will definitely like, like you mentioned, I'll definitely be interested in working with you for that project that you mentioned. Um, and again, thank you all for tuning in. 
Definitely check out the Countdown to College COVID Ready Edition. Definitely buy Dr. Green's book. Check out his website, makethegrade.net. So we will see you next week or if not sooner. Thank you. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.